Blog Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Hello, world. This is TJ Moss, and you're listening to ET Radio, our TJ Moss ET Radio, sponsored by American Communications Online, and I will be your host tonight, Teresa J. Mars with Jan Aldrich, and we are going to discuss about 100 or two years of our UFO association together, and uh, we're going to discuss all our groups we've been in, and I happen to be a member of Mutual UFO Network, and we're doing some public relations work tonight, uh, getting back on board with the captain who uh, we put up his bio tonight, but he won't be with us because I didn't ask him to be with us tonight because we're doing PR work for him. <laughs> but uh, he was across the he, – he, he actually uh, talked to me in Kentucky, and I came on board to do a little PR work. It was our commercial for this particular show. And so this show and MUFON has a long history, and I've got a MUFON advertisement somewhere over here. But I tell you what, it's up to you. It's a nonprofit, whether you want to join or not. Uh, we have all kind of renew ways to do that, and uh, you can look at it at uh, – MUFON.com, but I'm going to call uh, right now and get Jan Harzan on, and hope you can hear me. And don't have anybody helping me tonight. Jan's going to come on the last hour. Uh, let's see, five, four, six, eight, one, three, five. Oh, it looks like Janet made a. Okay, why is that not working? Okay, hold on. I have to call the other. Let me try that again. Okay, uh, let me get Jean. Hello, is this? Yes, hi. Uh, yes, this is Teresa J. Morris, and we're live on the air looking for Jan Harzan. No, we're looking for Jan Aldrin. <laughs> Hello? Did I get the wrong number? Uh, Janet, can you hear me? Yeah, we've got an echo. Okay. Uh, Janet, can you uh, introduce yourself while I, I'm going to put me on hold so no echo. That way, if you'll introduce yourself, you can help me co-host tonight with Jan Aldrich. And uh, I'm going to call him uh, while you're introducing yourself. (laughs) Go ahead. is interesting we've had i talked to uh <laughs> several people in the ufo secret space tonight 
that I didn't know I was going to do because my phone crossed over into our group call, and I'm not sure what's going on these days uh, because I zinc everything, so I apologize to everybody. But uh, I'm going to check this number right here with Jan, 860-546-9135. Oh, hi, Jan. Uh, Let me call you back. I was verifying the phone number, okay? Okay, I'll call you right back. Okay. Now, let's see. Uh, Oh, okay. Goodness sakes. This has been a day, folks, trying to be human. All right. Let's see if we can be human here. Uh, Janet will have to call back in because she got cut off. I'm not sure. We're having all these crossovers. I talked to, uh, let's see, Dial. Is that happening? Well, let me try it again. I'm sorry, folks. I, uh, I'm doing something that's... Uh, Shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> I guess I have to hang. I hope he knows I'm hanging this one up. Now let's try to call again. Dialing. Let's see if it'll dial. Well. One more time, everybody, please be patient. Janet, I apologize, it knocked you off. And uh, what I'm doing is I'm calling the number that I've been given, if it will hit dial. He may have to call in. I don't know why it's not working. This is embarrassing. Says it's dialing. Wow, it's hard working alone without a co-host to help. <laughs> I'm trying to do several things here at one time, and uh, I don't know what why it won't dial. Okay, because we're on the show apparently, and uh, I had called in and got a whole bunch of people. Earl Gray with. Mutual UFO Network at California. He just had a knee operation, and so he's recuperating. So, you know, I would have had him on tonight helping. But I'm punching the button. Let me see. Dialing. Maybe I'll have to put it in again. I hate, I hate this, but uh, I've got to get connected to Jan. And I don't know why it kicked Janet off, because she was on here. may have to refresh my screen. There it goes. Hello? Oh, good, finally. Wow, I was having technical difficulties. So, Janet Carelesson, if you can hear us, call back in. Janet was here, and it kicked her off. and kicked. I couldn't get it you, so I had to... Uh, Call you back. I apologize uh, to everybody that's listening. So, uh, this is Jan Aldrich. Jan, I haven't had a chance to introduce you at all, so let's get started here. There'll be a little delay on the beginning. Uh, If you want to introduce yourself, I know you've got 
50 years between the U.S. Army and the U.S. Post Office in service. And we're going to talk a little bit about your history and all these groups, uh, NICAP and CUFOs and MUFON and UAP Associates, which I've got now, and all of them together, including with Janet Carolesson, who I knocked off, so she may be coming back on here in a few minutes with the ACO. So um, tell people a little about who you are and why you would be interested in helping us do public relations work for the UFO associations of all the groups, if you don't mind. Well, here's uh, – uh, I've been interested in UFOs since uh, I was about uh, 15, so that's that's almost 60 years now. Um so that's a long time, and uh, right after I got interested, I started collecting stuff, too, so um, uh, I spent 25 years in the Army as a uh, uh, supply, then uh, meteorology, um, intelligence and security, and... Uh, personnel I was a uh, enlisted master sergeant that was a assistant adjutant which is like rare as hen hen's teeth uh, um, they don't usually appoint adjutants that are enlisted and then uh, uh, finished off as uh, uh, about my last Ten months or so is uh, safety uh, in a uh, an organization commanded uh, the uh, Southern European Task Force in, in Italy, uh, commanded by two-star general. So I was the safety officer for that um, uh, outfit. Um, after that, I. Uh, I came back to the United States. I went to work for the post office after a few years and uh, worked for them for uh, 25 years. Uh, and I, I'm now retired from from that. So uh, now I'm doing UFOs full time, and believe me, it is a full time job as far as what we're doing now. Um, I do have a website. Um, kind of been neglected for the last year or so, but I hope to put up something there that will tie everything that's on the site together um, in some kind of a uh, more or less uh, historical outline. Um, I have a degree in history, so I'm interested in the UFO history. Uh, and even if you don't have, um, uh, do, UFOs don't have to exist to study the history of them, because people like Donald Keogh and um, uh, Walt Andrews, they exist, and they were interested in UFOs. So it's possible to study history of something that many people uh, think that doesn't exist, but there is a history of the people that have been interested in it. So that's uh, that's one of my interests is the history. 
I'm also interested in looking for uh, patterns and other other things regarding UFOs and preservation is one of my top thing. And so for the last several years, uh, I've been scanning what I've collected over the last 50 or so years. Um, and it's not going too well. It's going slow. So um, uh, I may run out of lifespan before I, I, I get it all scanned. However, the uh, another project we're working on is scanning the KUFOS files. The Center for UFO Studies in Chicago. Um, and the KUFOS... They have uh, a number of other UFO organizations that don't exist anymore. They have their files, so NICAP, National National Investigation Committee on Aerial Phenomena, which was in Washington, D.C. until from 1957 until predecessor organizations were um, Civilian Saucer Intelligence in New York, which existed from 52 to uh, 1960 about. Um, One of the first organizations and which was uh, noted by uh, Life Magazine, so they got a lot of publicity, and because of that, they got a lot of sightings. Uh, civilian off, uh, saucer investigations in Los Angeles, uh, and there's a number of other UFO organizations and individuals that donated their files to NICAP, which then became part of KUFOS, and people have donated um, files to KUFOS, so there's a there's a huge amount of files at the uh, um, at Kufos. There's uh, of just citing files. There's uh, 67 plus. Uh, well, let's see. Nah, it's more like 75. 75 um, filing cabinets of of UFO sightings from before 1947 all the way up until the uh, 90s or so. Uh, And that's what we're trying to get uh, scanned, put it on computers so it can be uh, preserved, but also so it's it's like a movable uh, filing cabinet, or as I like to call it, a digital filing cabinet. You can put all that on a uh, on a thumb drive or uh, a uh, external drive, and walk around with it in your pocket. So that's the uh, what I've been doing for the last few years is trying to uh, get this stuff scanned. We've scanned from pre forty seven up to nineteen sixty five. And from August 67 to 1970, so you can see 66, 
good part of 67 needs to be done, plus a lot of things after 1970. Now, I've, we've also scanned um, uh, material in the other uh, uh, eras that haven't, uh, but we haven't finished scanning. It's just, you know, like sometimes you could come across files and I've been my a lot of my files are just piles so when I start scanning I may scan 73 item from 73 and then an item from 52 and an item from 47 so um, it, it just becomes like that so um, this is a this is kind of a priority. We want to get this done, so um, we have a huge collection of, of UFO material that will uh, be available to uh, people in um, not only in the United States but all over the world. Um, when you have this much material, then you can start doing things with it that. Uh, might be hard to do with just small studies when you have this uh, huge amount of collection of things, probably uh, close to 100,000 cases. So, um, one other thing I want to do is uh, just before uh, lights out, I want to... Um, Tie everything together on my uh, on my website with a uh, sort of a historical outline. So I'd say that's what I do. And what will happen to your website called Project Nineteen Forty Seven dot com? Uh, isn't it? Uh, uh, I've already made arrangements for somebody to carry that on after I'm gone. Okay, that's good. Now, uh, as far as uh, being a historian at East. We have various people that volunteer for many groups. And a lot of social media now, of course, we are all slave to the Internet now, cyberspace junkies or people living inside the matrix and sharing our parts on you know, various places like uh, mainly Facebook and YouTube are the big ones right now. Of course, a lot of us that are, are entrepreneurs use LinkedIn, and some of the younger kids do TikTok, but you know, Instagram, places like that. But, uh, oh, Janet came back again, so I'll have to let her introduce. But we'll get into a conversation of what all we're doing, Jan, and uh, talk about uh, uh, Dave McDonald coming back on. Uh, I'm sorry that we got off to a rough start. Janet Carlesson. Okay, Jan's here, so I want you to introduce yourself to everybody and uh, let everybody know you're here from Hawaii and you've been helping us for eight years do archived radio shows, and Jan Aldrich is here sharing uh, his uh, many, many years. So between all of us, I know we've got a minimum of 100 years, my 50, his 60, and you're, you'll soon be 18, won't you, uh, Janet, 18 years old? <laughs> no, I'm 66. <laughs> no. no, I'm sorry I got booted, and um, I don't know, then I got three calls was- in a row, so it was interesting. Uh, oh, okay. I booted it, then my phone lit up. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. So I'm back. So I'm, um, yeah, I'm Janet Care Lesson. I've been on 
a hundred, couple hundred shows with TJ, so we know each other very well, and we're just uh, UFO investigators, reporters, uh, experiencers, all the above. So what's today's show about, TJ? You, uh, you were right. talking about uh, Jan Aldrich um, stepped out yes. as Reform Director, and um, what's his name, David McDonald, because has come into uh, his uh, replace, uh, yeah. replacement. Wasn't David McDonald there before? Yeah, he was. He was. He, yeah, we can talk about all of that. Uh, yeah, Jan Aldrich is uh, still a director with us with UFO Association and Ace Folklife Historical Association. It was Jan Harzan that stepped down uh, and immediately in term is Dave McDonald. Now, he lived in Kentucky when I did, as far as I know. He still does. And he was. we had the uh, MUFON office right around the Cincinnati, Ohio uh, location, and he and I talked, and we were revitalizing the investigator handbook at the time, and that's when uh, Kathy Martin came in and helped with uh, uh, experiencers. So uh, Jan uh, Aldrich is here with us now. So uh, Jan Harzan, okay. uh, this is all happening in 2020, folks. Everything's been turned upside down. But uh, Dave is the interim, I guess. Uh, but he was a director. He still is a director. And everybody can go to MUFON.com and look up all the directors. There's five or six of them. Uh, we probably know all of them. But uh, Jan, you want to talk about that? This, uh, I think you said Jan Aldrich stepped down, didn't you? Or was it, was it my ears? <laughs> Did but you hear Jan that, Jan? Hartman. I don't know. Too many Jans. Too many Jans. That's right. So Jan Harzan stepped down because of some kind of um, something going on, which happened to other people in ufology. Uh, And so we don't know how it's going to pan out for him. Hopefully he's innocent. But this happens. We had, in each generation, we've had some kind of accusation of uh, inappropriate sexuality coming from people in the in the MUFON or, or in the ufology field. So what do you think that's about? Is that true or are they it's just a witch hunt for people in ufology? Do you have any well, ideas? Jan, Jan said he believes people are innocent until proven guilty. So let's let Jan speak for himself because he does know we were going to follow off with that lead. Tarzan out. McDonald in again, <laughs> and I haven't talked to Dave McDonald honestly to get his statement yet, but I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, he's probably his phones are ringing, I'm sure, like when he stepped in before uh, when we started back years ago, 2007, eight that that era. But uh, Jan, well, why don't you speak for yourself? Um, oh. Let me just say one thing before we go to Jan um, Aldridge. I was at the IUFO Congress when. Uh, what was that guy's name that he was the UFO abductee experiencer? Uh, he, wrote, he wrote a couple books and his wife wrote a book. He was real popular. Come on, name that tune. Which one? Um, anyway. Corey? Oh, Corey Good? It was an R. No, no, no. Sorry. Emory they Smith? Didn't get accused. No, they didn't no, the, get accused. No, the kids, no, no, no. Right, right. Let me think of his name. Start with a. He got a, he, he went to jail for a while. Oh, 
you're oh. talking about uh, you're talking about real MUFON people. <laughs> yeah, his wife no, is still a friend. No, it's the one that had the little alien movie out at his window. We're, Jan will know. Yes, Jan Aldrich. Yes. 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 So Jan, help us out here. Uh, I don't know who you're talking about. Okay, anyway, there was some guy there. I'll find it. All right, well, he, I'll, his I'll, wife's in our social media. Talk, I'll figure out who it was. Well, yeah, Jan, look in our Facebook groups, Jan. She, she's one of our friends in our groups. We have so many of them, Jan Aldrich. But, folks, this is Jan Aldrich. We've had Jan Harzan on here, but he's not on here right now. So uh, I did put a call into Jan, but I don't know if he's getting his calls or if someone else has his phone. But he is on a friend of mine in my phone. So, Jan, have you talked to Jan? I know he sends you stuff in the mail and everything. Have you talked to Jan today, Jan Arzan? No, I have not talked to him. Uh, I haven't talked to him since last year, I don't think. Uh, we're trying to do something with uh, uh, A.J. Uh, AJ Gravard, and um, so we were, they, you know, having a three-way conversation. Um, so uh, I haven't really talked to him since then. Uh, <clears throat> the the main place that I met him and talked to him was at the Orlando conference, which is now quite a few years back. Um, and we talked about how. Uh, uh, how to uh, how UFOs can be studied. There was a lot of that going on at the conference right there. Um, so uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't had any uh, recent uh, contact with him. Okay, well uh, we're going to talk about that. Let me get Suzanne on here. Uh, Suzanne, you showed up early, but I want you to introduce yourself as not a Jan. But we have Jan Aldrich, Janet Lesson, <laughs> Janet Thurman Morris, and a Suzanne Harzan. No, Suzanne Flynn. Suzanne Flynn. Suzanne Wyman tonight. Okay, Suzanne, okay. go ahead and say hi to uh, Janet and Jan Aldrich, if you don't mind. Hi, hi Jan. Nice to meet you. Hello. And hi, Janet. So very, very nice, very nice to be included, and thank you for bringing me in. I'm sorry I'm late today. Oh, no, that's uh, great. you perfect timing. Now, we're just really? getting started, actually. We had a late start, and okay. uh, I hope that's okay with everybody. It was a little hard on the on the front, but I'll go ahead and list your name on the top here with uh, with us so everybody gets credit for today. It's like school. Everybody likes okay. to see their name when they, they're putting in their archives. So we're just getting started, Suzanne, with the history of how all these UFO groups, and we have quite a few of them, and uh, members in a lot of our social media groups, in uh, LinkedIn and Facebook, and I've got different directors that will be coming on our shows, and Janet and I have both interviewed a lot of MUFON people over the past few years on our radio shows. But uh, we were just asking Jan uh, his opinion. Now, Jan, uh, Harzan, we're going to let him talk for a minute, Suzanne, and then we'll try to include you. And, and okay. uh, But Jan is asking an important question because we've had uh, Jan Harzan step down, and we've had our old Dave McDonald, uh, we call him Captain, come back in again. Uh, and uh, I, I'm going to read his bio here um, if 
everybody will just uh, stand by for one moment. Dave McDonald is the new director of MUFON, Mutual UFO Network, folks. So we call it MUFON for short. And uh, Dave, uh, it's David, but we call him Dave McDonald, and most of his friends call him Captain or Cap. David started his entrepreneurial career at about the age of eight, shining shoes and bars and streets of his hometown. At about 10 or 11, he was project. Oh, <laughs> he wasn't project. He read Project Blue Book and many other early flying saucer books. So his adult career started at a laboratory working on the development team that produced such products as Behold Furniture Polish, Windex, and Indust. However, being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur by nature, he went on to establish a number of businesses, among which was the McDonald Defense Company, which became the largest independent security firm in the region. Additionally, he owned a manufacturing firm and produced an array of wireless microphones, listening devices, and other clandestine or clandestine, depending on how you say it, gizmos, you know, secret stuff. So he owned a bookstore and a photo studio specializing in model portfolios in underwater photography. So he served eight years as a county peace officer in Kentucky, and in 1991, Dave founded Flamingo Air and has developed into a full-time air carrier operation. Now, he and his wife, Sharon, who's helped run MUFON for years, Sharon McGee, has further developed Flamingo Air Academy, which is now global in scope and Cincinnati's premier flight and airline dispatch school. Now, Dave resides with his wife, Sharon, at their home in northern Kentucky. And then I've got to join UFO Association, ACO Club, uh, sharing among uh, friends who attend our various events. We have ACO and Ace Folk Life serving with uh, our ACO UFO ET Club. And we all do shows, open source, uh, public relations work, and we volunteer to help. And Dave knows that from years and years ago. And so we're just back doing how we got started a long time ago in open source. And it really is a 501C, a bona fide one, folks, MUFON is. And we're here to serve. And um, so if you want to join, please go over there. You can just I do it for seven eighty nine a month. And uh, there's five and nine and ten, and then you can join the PR and give money for 20 bucks. So we just help. That's what we're doing is helping. Now, we can talk about Jan Harzan, which you ladies may have missed. But Jan's got over 60 years in the UFO business and has helped way back when uh, we had NICAP that I can remember where there was Don Berliner there in D.C. and Jan McAbee, Dr. Jan Maccabee's another Jan, her husband, Dr. Bruce Maccabee, and he's been on here and helped Janet and I start the ACO Alien Contact Organization. And Suzanne's come in to help with Ace Folk Life tomorrow night. But Jan Aldrich, now, with all these groups, do you remember you came on the scene uh, out of Washington, D.C., and I know that uh, Dr. Bruce Maccabee was training at the CIA facility and helping uh, people learn about UFOs. But your role, you were a child, and I'd like you to tell your story to Janet and Suzanne and all those listening, because you were just a kid at NICAP, weren't you, 15 or 16? Well, yeah, I went to, I went to NICAP when I was, uh, uh, let's see, um, uh, 1960, 
That's I met now, Richard that, Hall in NICAP, so that was that was the big one. What what does that stand for? National something? National Investigations, Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. So uh, aerial phenomena. Yeah, that's okay. about uh, that's about three years after they were formed, and uh, Richard Hall was assistant director then, and uh, uh, the very popular UFO author. Uh, Major Donald E. Keogh was the uh, director. Um, and so uh, during the summer, our family marriage. went on a, a, um, a, a tour of, uh, well, my father was very interested in history, so we went to some of the uh, Revolutionary War monuments and and we we ended up in Washington DC looking at some of those and I asked him if I could go to NICAP so he let me spend the end um afternoon there so I guess I probably bugged Dick Hall all afternoon with uh talking to him so he couldn't get any work done <laughs> but so I was, he got uh, to know you yeah he did good. so and so uh and I would I would try to do things like you know send uh, send in uh, newspaper clippings and go into old newspapers and copy things out. And at that time we were copying things out by hand and then typing them up. So uh, I did that kind of stuff. And, uh, uh, That's back when was, newspapers were really big, folks. Tell them yeah, how old that was, you. Yeah, that was, was when, that? that was yeah. That was when all the all. All the UFO stuff was uh, um, in the newspapers, and I investigated some cases around where I lived. None of them were very that uh, um, very big. Although I I went on one with uh, um, a police officer from Meriden, Connecticut, and uh, uh, so. Uh, after he got off work, uh, we would we would go around and and do some investigations. And um, since now this is this is remember UFOs are are pretty um, at this time there uh, there's like a lull in activity, and they're pretty much a butt butt of everybody's jokes. So it wasn't. Uh, the greatest time to be in ufology. And one of the uh, officers at the Meriden Police Department had a UFO sighting, and it's typical Hynek type thing. Uh, he's looking, he stopped at a uh, stoplight, and he sees in the distance um, what looks like uh, biplane, biplanes, um, four of them. And they're coming towards him, but at a great distance. As they get closer, he sees they're not biplanes, they're triangles. And they're very low. And as he watches, they turn and uh, zoom away. And so he went in and made a police report. (laughs) And, of course, all the other officers gave him grief and uh, you know had a had a good time at his expense but uh, the fellow that I was with Terry Murphy he got he got a copy 
so I sent that into Nightcap, and that was uh, that was like being a hero at the time because, uh, like I say, it was it was a it was a slow time for UFOs. So, um, well, I imagine Janet and and Suzanne will have a lot of questions for you, folks. This is a hi- historical event today. It's July seventeenth, twenty twenty, and we're making a oral story archive, and we've been very fortunate with Jan Aldrich to have a lot of the history of all our groups uh, Well, since I've been alive, and we do cover uh, some prior Majestic 12 and Stanton, Fried, Fried, Stanton Friedman and a lot of other people we can mention names that we've done in the past, but Jan Aldrich has shared a lot of his history, and we can have you go back and look at the archives. But, Jan, what would you like to talk about? Because Jan had asked an important question to get the ball rolling on our narrative. The, uh, we're the boomers, folks. We're the, we're the ones that were alive during a lot of these things and lived through the time. So we pretty much can tell you what we encountered and then what we actually can remember and what we stored in archives or read in newspapers are we're actually experiencing. But the most important thing is to get Jan here. And let's talk uh, now. The MUFON coming, if you go to MUFON, Mutual UFO Network, you'll see where they have a money they're taking in for uh, the KUFOs and helping them as well, Jan. And you've been going over there. And uh, at one time, uh, why don't you share with Janet, uh, about the two groups or the three groups, and I know she'll like hearing the builder Bigelow, Robert Bigelow story, and I've got a little part of that myself on this uh, with him and Stan. But uh, where should we start with where the mo- I'm always curious how Bigelow came in because people know when uh, M- Captain McDonald was in last time, he was having to help with the money coming in for the three groups because you were part of that, weren't you? Or, Oh yeah, when they had the uh, the um, it was MUFON, um, the Fund for UFO Research in Washington D.C. and of course KUFOS, um, they formed a uh, uh, like an overall organization called the uh, um, Coalition for uh, UFO Research. So that's the that's a, and the thing is, all these groups had treasuries, and so they still have. There's, they're still in, in existence, even though some of them are not um, really active anymore. But they're still in existence, and they still have treasuries. So everybody's got some money. Um, Where they and take Bigelow did, uh, did, did. Bigelow did. Uh, he sponsored that's what he did he got the three groups together and he said look uh, I'm willing to fund some research if you can find some worthy projects um, yeah I believe he put in 35000 of his own money if that's I believe that's if my memory serves me correctly during the, I was in and all that during that time, but I'm I'm believing it was thirty five thousand before he pulled out, but it had to do with if he was putting the money in he wanted to control a part of well, it. Well, at, yeah, at first Go he ahead. didn't want he said, Listen, it's up to you guys what you want to do. But then he did you know, and he funded other projects. He uh um they had uh investigators that would go around and uh, investigate 
current sightings. So he he funded that, and he funded other things besides that. So um, at first, like I said, or like you said, he he uh, he let uh, um, the groups pick what what their projects were. Now I have to say, thirty five thousand is no, that's that's too low. He Are spent a lot more than more, that, or maybe he promised more. No, he put in more. Okay, of, so how do how do we have access? Is that uh, public knowledge? Because this has been part of the controversy among all our groups that well, we've been I know a part that because, of our investigators. Because I got more, you know, I got I got around um, thirty thousand. Oh my goodness! Oh, okay. And Dick Hall got ten thousand to re to uh, finish off the uh, uh, the UFO evidence number two. And there oh were other, goodness. so there were other things. So already we've, and besides that, Bigelow contributed to the treasuries because he knew that uh, having to do this research coalition thing, and he he is pretty good about this actually. He knows, hey, uh, I can't give you if I give you money for grants, but then you have to administer them. That cost you money, so he gave the groups money to help administer the grants. So already we're way way ahead of uh, thirty five thousand. Wow! Um, so that you got almost thirty five thousand yourself then, just by it yourself alone. Right, right. So, and my and my thing was I was going to travel. Uh, today we don't need to do what I was doing, but then we didn't have computers with everything, you know, computerized. So what I did is I traveled through uh, um, uh, uh, 46 states and five Canadian provinces and Washington, D.C. So uh, for for two and a half years, I was on the road almost constantly going from one place to another. So, So, like, I started off in West Virginia and went to... Kentucky, um, uh, Tennessee, uh, Arkansas, Illinois, um, and he went out to the uh, far west, so Washington, uh, Idaho, uh, Oregon, uh, across Canada, British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, so uh, Mont, uh, I, I, and what I would do is stop off at uh, state libraries or legislative libraries or um, historical societies and check newspapers. Now, my project was to find stuff for 1947 and uh, redo the... Uh, uh, find find more information about the wave of 1947, which was really big, and people people think that it's uh, all about uh, UFOs in a, at a distance, but they're not. There's just like everything that you have today: landings, um, electromagnetic material, uh, people uh, being injured or uh, physiological effects being blinded by UFOs or being 
um, uh, one guy who was having a heart, uh, has a heart problem. He was uh, uh, UFO flew right close to uh, his his home, and he had problems. His uh, wife could attest to that because she was a nurse. Um, and, and most of the things you find today, there there were landings and all these other things you you find today. You find in in uh, uh, in 1947. Now Barry Greenwood, where does he come into play? Does he do 47 forward or Kufos only, or did he get well, assigned uh, as one of the investigators? And do you know who was lead investigator under Robert Bigelow? I haven't done a, a complete research project or a complete investigation or followed the money either. So you probably have more data well, on all the, the various groups. The three groups supplied their investigators, but uh, uh, Walter Webb was the uh, investigator. And him, uh, that's probably what started the whole thing about the uh, the uh, coalition uh, and Bigelow splitting, because uh, Webb investigated a very uh, spectacular meteor, and Bigelow was unhappy with the investigation because he thought it was a UFO and he wasn't going to be told it was a meteor. So, was that uh, the one in Russia that came down, or is this No, no, it's, it this was, was at the time. One. It was at the time of the coalition, so it was a oh. spectacular meteor, but it wasn't that spectacular. And I understand. So he so, already signed his lead investigator. Folks, usually there's one. The way the federal government has uh, the way we do projects is we'll usually assign one to five investigators on a particular project, and then we'll assign a lead investigator. And on my projects, I'm usually lead, but I've also been on other projects, just a team player. And so this Mr. Webb, right, what was his first name? That was on the Walter. Bigelow Walter yeah. Webb. So he he yeah. was lead investigator. Now he was. How many uh, was on your team as far as investigators? No, there's no remember? teams. There's no teams. Oh, there there's was no, no teams. teams in your group. Each no. person was assigned. Did you do it chronologically? I uh, my no. Walter Webb was his his job. He was the lead investigator to uh, uh, investigate current UFO sightings. Now, Project okay. Forty Seven. What what I what I did is I went online and 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 uh, started an email list. So I I got three hundred people to volunteer to look at newspapers in their own area or to send me things that they had in their files. And nineteen forty seven was the primary thing I was doing, but the other. Uh, secondary things I was doing from 1900 up till 1946, and then from 48 up to 65, we were looking at those uh, items too. Uh, after I got through looking at, you know, if I went somewhere, I looked first at four, for 47 incidents, and after that, I tried to look at some of these others. Um, and so I visited almost uh, <clears throat> close to 100 archives. Well, I think it's important that we get this. Uh, this is part of the disgruntled uh, volunteers in social media and, and uh, all the groups. 
because a lot of them we shut down. Like you said, some money's still in some of the coppers or banks or treasuries and our different groups. And then we're bringing them all together. And then Robert Bigelow comes in and starts our star team investigators. If, uh, uh, that's I later. Was, that's later on. That's later on with MUFON. So. All right. Well, in the beginning, when Robert comes in, let's talk about right there with him and Mr. Webb and you. So, uh, because this may all be new to Janet and Suzanne, uh, because uh, I don't think either one of them have been in on the inside like you and I have, or on teams or in investigations. But Janet, you can correct me. You haven't done any in-house for any of these associations. I know Suzanne hasn't because uh, she told me she hasn't been into any ufology but what about you janet you haven't been in internal investigations right she may be stepped away right now okay so uh but suzanne you know you haven't right no i have um i'm sitting here and i'm listening and i'm just uh holding the energy (laughs) that there's an opportunity for me to learn and i have a lot learn a lot so um you know what what's interesting in listening to you talk dan is is that your mind is brilliant it's focused it's clear it's articulate and it's very exact you have an extremely methodical thought process exacting and scientific and the details and the dates that you remember without stumbling is just inspiring well (laughs) that's funny (laughs) most of the time my memory is abducted (laughs) <laughs> well, it sits you down and gets you on the right tangent, and your right. memory comes through in a way that's just absolutely flawless. It's really beautiful. Right. So, yeah, uh, like I say, if if we're to replicate this project today, you could sit behind a computer in your home, and uh, there are all kinds of newspapers online. You could do exactly what I did by visiting different libraries and stuff. Mm-hmm. So this was, however, there's, there are things that you can't, uh, even, even today you can't, uh, you can't visit, you can't visit the National Archives online, even though back in the, uh, uh, before 2000, they, they said, oh, everything will be online, don't worry, and the Library of Congress was saying, We'll be the only library in the country. Everybody else will have every book there is online and everything. And I do want to go off on a tangent here. (laughs) The fireflies are invading. The fireflies are invading. Okay. They're right here at the window looking in. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Is that time we uh, have for you? Yeah, I have have an old farm up here, and... uh, of course, we used to have lots of fireflies, and then the you know they they're in trouble as far as um, uh, they're not they're not I don't think they're going to be extinct, but they're they're in a lot of trouble. And this year they really came back. Well, tell uh, people where you're calling from, and Janet may join us again. She's live. I mean, we're all live on the air, but we're all open mic, so she may have she she had explained to me she had workers in her house. That might have been the sound, so she muted. Uh, you remember when I asked her to come on a while ago? Yeah. So, but she's open. So when she comes I, back, I'm on. A, I'm on an old needed. farm in Connecticut. It goes back. Connecticut. To, yeah, it goes back before the uh, um, 
Uh, Civil War? <laughs> no, it goes back. Uh, it, it probably uh, was here during the uh, Revolution. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> well, there you go. So I'm in the Northeast, <laughs> which is not very heavily populated, and it's got, you know, like what what we call it is the last green valley for Connecticut. And uh, uh, it, this is mostly, it used to be farm, but it's all now gone back to forest. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my place looks like a... a, a a, a jungle now. I mean, it everything came up this year. Uh, sometimes we have we have sparser years, but no, this is this is a, the green is just a, is fantastic. Um, I don't want to well, get off. Well, I know people. Yeah, that's okay. I understand you. I really appreciate you being human and sharing, and I really appreciate Suzanne helping us and she's new to you and she likes the way you talk so that's really good for our archivist and for our shows mm-hmm. i think it's wonderful and janet i'm sure we'll return with some questions here but uh i know that what we need to do tonight is have people like uh, somebody like suzanne coming in is very important folks because there's various people there's various groups and associations in ufology and i've noticed a lot of the young kids doing their own radio shows and uh, no disrespect but a lot of on youtubes they they just talk like they own ufology and know what they're talking about with the word and toss it around and i've noticed uh a lot of people use an alienology now. We help start all that is separate from ufology, and I'm really helping push that with phenomenology. And of course, you know the government started as you, your groups a long time ago started anomalous phenomena. So we have UAP and associates now. But the point is for me is to say that the old guys, like in the Men in Black shows and TV, you know, always reflects real life, but. You know, we're moving our reality of ufology and our alienology and the study of phenomenology and unidentified flying objects, so to speak, but into our folk life groups, too, and having our own divisions because it's so costly now. Yes, we can do a lot of things online, but we're doing our best. There's many flavors of ufology, and I wanted the Jan Aldrich flavor from back in the day because I remember inside MUFON, and I couldn't be a Remember at that time, but I watched it all happen. Uh, but I remember in the old days when I was an investigator and I couldn't be inside, but I did work for the government. But there was talk of the civilian and the government coming in and taking over, and then Robert Bigelow being a contractor for the government, controlling space. And you can say all that happened in the 80s forward or the 90s forward, but when do you recall? Because that's when I was asked to help. And I, uh, some groups were quoting me at 2007 in UFO Digest, and I had a lot of groups ha- asking for help. I guess it was because of Facebook back then. But uh, can you tell me when, do you remember when you got involved with Robert Bigelow and Mr. Webb and all of that? Because well, people, well, it was uh, confusing. When, when uh, Walter Webb, I, I've known him long before Bigelow. I, 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 I knew him long before uh, I went into the Army. And I was in the Army for 25 years. I knew w- Walter Webb uh, uh, back in the uh, 60s when I was uh, going to college in, uh, um, in Boston. He was, he was, 
he was the uh, chief astronomer at the uh, planetarium up there. So I knew him way back uh, before Bigelow. Bigelow was, what, in the 90... I'm not sure when the coalition was. I think it's... Well, I know he went out with... 92, 93, but... No, I don't think so. I... uh, well, he was on. He took. They took a plane out to uh, him and Stan and um, McCarty. I think Tom McCarty. Uh, Could be. I and Berliner, Berliner. I believe Don Berliner was there. Yeah, there's a lot of history that we've got to pull back together. But uh, that was in '92 to '94, I think. But yeah, when, so you're thinking he came in about that time? Ooh, there's so uh, many of us. Old guys got to pull the stories together. Okay, so who are we talking about? Bigelow? Bigelow. Well, I was talking about Bigelow and Berliner, uh, uh, Stan Friedman, and one other guy. It was Tom McCarty. I forget now. They went and did Anderson, the Anderson interview uh, about uh, 47 Roswell. When we had the court, uh, when uh, Stan was working on the uh, crash at Corona. And I went out to visit Glenn Dennis in the nineties. So, let's and Roswell. You know who the Roswell story? I I I I can't see Walter Webb doing that. Not Walter Bigelow. Oh, Bigelow may have done. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Now, so Walter's a lot older in the – was he with NICAP? How did he get involved as, as an astronomer, or did he join some of these assault flying uh, he saucers? Was the, he was a, uh, a friend of Dick Hall, so he, he was uh, the uh, astronomer advisor for uh, NICAP. Astronomer, astronomer advisor for NICAP. Now, is that in one of the books you guys wrote long, long time ago? Well, it does, you know, in in most UFO investigators, they uh, list the, uh, the advisors. There's a list of advisors, and Walter Webb's in the advisor thing. So he, uh, yeah, he, inv- he, inv- he, investi- he investigated uh, items around the, in Massachusetts and New Hampshire uh, in the in 19... Uh, um, early 1960s uh, till about 1964, and then uh, um, Ray Fowler took over most of the investigations. And uh, with the uh, Massachusetts, he formed a investigative unit up in Massachusetts. So it was a Massachusetts subcommittee, and uh, Walter uh, was just uh, he. Uh, more or less an advisor, but he was he was an investigator in New England there uh, in the early 60s. Uh, and then I met him when I went to college. Uh, now, is he before Don Berliner, Berliner? Because Berliner is the one I talked to on the phone when I was Berliner working. is uh, Berliner was, uh, well, he, he got involved because, when he was younger, uh, he got involved with the Ground Observer Corps, and somehow he whittled his way into being on the, in the Ground Observer Corps. And so, uh, 
he somehow he whittled his way into the uh, filter center. So he got to see the reports that came through the filter center. He wasn't really supposed to, but, you know, they had so much turnover in the filter center that he was just there, and nobody questioned him being there. He said, he, it's, it's like he said, you know, somebody would come in, he, they'd introduce him and say, yeah, he was, he's been here for, for quite a while. <laughs> they didn't okay. really know what he was doing there, but they just accepted that he was part of the filter center. So he got to get uh, UFO cases. If you go to the UFO evidence, I think, I think it's in there. Uh, so he was an inside job guy. Uh, getting some of these uh, reports that were being sent to, from the various ground observers to uh, to the filter center, so he was uh, he got in, and that was that was long before NICAP. That was in okay. the, it was in it was in the uh, early uh, well mid fifties. Let's put it that way. And he, well, we're going to be doing who's who. Now on on uh, the one where Berliner shows up on no our Northern Ontario UFO research and study. Hit, now does your name come up or do you like do you like the way they're doing their research and study? Northern well, it, Ontario. Uh, that's uh um uh my, Michael uh uh, well, your picture is on here for the United States. I know. Along it's Michael, with Kenneth Arnold. Michael, uh, Michael, um, the, I'm going to get his name wrong. I just, I just, I'm just having a blank. Uh, Michael, you want, me to, it's, so, you want me to look it up? Yeah. So he, uh, he was one of the, uh, early contributors to my effort. Oh, and, really? So I, when I was going around, I met him in in Ontario with, uh, um, geez, I'm having uh, that, uh, Earl Bruce Knapp. Yeah, and, Bruce Knapp. And, and, and Earl Bruce Knapp was the, uh, uh, he ran the uh, UFO updates, email list and they had about a thousand people on it oh my gosh send stuff in all the time but uh michael went ahead and uh, he helped me with gathering canadian reports and uh he's got like i said he's got his own website now um like i said i you know as i was going around the country i didn't need necessarily just go to libraries too i i visited ufologists and they let me look at uh at their uh their collections so i visited visited uh uh, uh chris rakowski in um in manitoba and i'm uh, i visited uh um uh, people all around the country when I was doing the uh, 1940 project 1947 I visited people at, at at different places and of course one of the places is uh, uh Walt Andrews let me look at the MUFON files <coughs> and that's when they were in Texas 
Seguin, Texas, and he let me come for an afternoon on on Sunday. And uh, he, I didn't know it till after I uh, get ready to leave that I, you know, he he was going to go somewhere with his wife and go to a, a a dinner or something. And he didn't say anything. He said, "Come on over." And so he let me sit there until uh, I looked through. Uh, well, I was mainly looking for 1947, but I told him I'll look from everything from before 1947 up to uh, 1950, and he said that's fine. <clears throat> he said my my arrangement is by states, so okay. each each, uh, each state had a a filing cabinet or a filing drawer, depending on how many. Uh, sightings they had and since MUFON was founded in 1969 they didn't have very many early sightings like I was looking for so I you know I was able to do that in a couple hours and then I left uh, you know I I got ready to leave and then I I really was embarrassed because uh, he and his wife had just they were just waiting around for me to leave so they could go to this dinner um (laughs) Uh, but he was he 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 was really nice about it. So, um, you know, and and of course I uh, I went to Dick Hall's house and saw his material and uh, various people that had been in ufology for a while. And uh, I'm sorry to say some of their material is just missing now. Uh, Louis Farish and uh, in Arkansas, he had two barns full of UFO files, and he had a lot of early material before 1947. <clears throat> and when he passed away, almost none of that was salvageable. They'd been out there in the barns, got wet, got dirty. It was it was like big uh, bricks of black stuff all held together with dirt and um, uh, uh, bird feces and things like that. So uh, I think that the amount that uh, Dave Mahler salvaged was only about two filing drawers. So that's a, that's a real tragedy there. Um, and like I said, I, I visited people all over the country. And some were no longer in ufology, but they let me look at their material. Well, this young man, Michael Descamps, or Dechamps, however you say yeah, it. Yeah, Michael no, Dechamps. That's it. See, I, I keep wanting to say DeSalt because I know a DeSalt up there. Yeah, Michael Dechamps. He was uh, he, uh, he and Earl Bruce Knapp, and I think we met three or four other people up there. And so I've got it in my notebook somewhere, but... Uh, Okay, uh, so you agree that his his are pretty substantial, and would you agree that I should include those? Would you agree that I should include his uh, link, like yours, in our uh, UFO Association, bringing all the different links together? That that's a uh, he has he has some excellent things there. Um, Okay, well he'll be. Yeah, he helped me with Canadian government material too. He had. He had done a lot of so research. So he's a good and, guy. He's a good yeah. guy, right? 
Awesome. Yeah. Good. Well, I look forward. I may have talked it to him before. I don't really remember. So he's going to be one of our who's who people. So uh, anybody that's got a really good uh, sharing open source like for people. Now, some of them still have membership, right? But right now we don't, you and I don't, but we're doing oral archives like your group you recommended. But uh, he has published material and letters to the editor, newspaper interviews, television interviews, and then he links them. So we'll do our best, folks. Uh, I've only got Janet and Suzanne and what websites we've got, but we're looking at scientists, UFOs, pilots, cops, saucers, and uh, Suzanne's brought to the table one of the old uh, 30-year-old uh, police officers. Or officer. We're going to get them all together, folks. We're going we're to do our best with Ace Folk Life and have different divisions. So Northern Ontario UFO Research Study. Now, do they affiliate with you personally or with CUFOs and MUFON? How, how, do, how do you guys interplay in UFO research? Well, you know, uh, um, everybody just helps. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't have 300 people. Uh, I started off, you know, and, and and you know, people. I got together with the people in Italy, in France, Spain, United uh, uh, United Kingdom, and uh, even Iran. We had a, we had a fellow on there from Iran for a while. You know, it, it was um, it was a pretty lively thing. But you know, uh, email gives way to other things. So then, uh, uh, so then there's other, other and other interest, and you know people lose interest for a time, or they may just leave the field altogether. So <clears throat> I, I still, uh, I, I'm still in contact with uh, Michael, but uh, yeah, we don't really do that much anymore. I look at his site. If you look at his site, that's what I was doing. More or less. Okay, well, I'll you just you can see all kinds of us. newspapers from uh, northern Ontario that he's collected. Uh, he and I did the same kind of thing, although I tried to do it all over the United States and Canada. He's doing it mostly for the northern, for uh, Ontario. Um, so uh, we're kindred spirits, let's put it that way. And and he was he was uh, uh, helping me uh, understand some of the uh, Canadian history there. So he's sending me things from the archives and commenting on them. And he does um, he does have I think he was writing a book. I'm not sure if he ever published it. But I had I had. Uh, like uh, Don Ledger in uh, uh, <clears throat> in Nova Scotia, and uh, he just uh, maritime UFOs. He just he had he published a book uh, uh, on uh, UFOs in his area, and he was of course uh, uh, very big in the investigation of Shag Harbor, which is still ongoing. So apparently it's still who's doing what project or by location, and we're just going to have to train all the new people, the new kids coming in, how how it's done. And I do know MUFON does offer training, but pretty much now, is this what you understand, that MUFON is still the largest organization in the world 
that is a nonprofit worldwide, internationally. Is that what you understand among all these groups? Uh, I guess so. Yeah, I, I think I think I don't think there's any other uh, large serious organization the size of MUFON. Um, all right. So it, and so they've and got a, I, they've got a, a, a huge amount of investigations that have been done over 100,000. So uh and they have also acquired uh people's uh and organizations uh um files as the uh, uh as people quit or pass away. So they they have a they have a, a huge a huge amount of material. They they have some of Stringfield's work and um, this is just like kind of NICAP and Kufos. And the uh, the Kufos project was you know uh, for a while there uh, Mufon was going to do it and they were going to do it with a, a professional company. However, there's problems with that. You get uh, you get dedicated amateurs who want to uh, make the best images they can. Um, maybe uh, their labor and their labor doesn't cost anything. So maybe that's a little better than a, uh, a company that it's going to cost. Uh, fifteen to twenty-five thousand dollars to uh, scan all these uh, reports. Scanning reports. If we hit, if we give them box loads, that's like what I used to do for the government. <laughs> Sit at a table all day and scan in under a Kodak Zap microfish all day. That wasn't a lot of fun. And then you have to change out the the Kodak uh, film, but nowadays we'll be scanning it like you do banking things, I guess, in the Internet, so we got to have our scanners. Now, uh, how are we going to get this all done? Because, you know, tonight is about the world view, so, and you of all people are the best ones, since you've already done this with Robert Bigelow and other groups and taken on a global scale you know, well, let's not let's not get confused here. I I I've never had any. Uh, I never Help. met. <laughs> I never met Robert Bigelow, and we haven't had any real interaction together. And he's a Mr. Buck, so and I guess he can. He was Buck, so but the Buck came through the UFO Research Coalition. He it didn't come directly from him. UFO Research Coalition. So he just somehow worked out with himself and his money in a grant or uh, a giving. He, he went to a, yeah, yeah. The UFO Research Coalition was a nonprofit. So, um, yeah, so that's how the money came to me. I, I didn't I didn't deal with Bigelow at all. And I am, I never went to any of the meetings of the UFO Research Coalition. I just heard about them from Dick Hall and, uh, some of the other people, Walt Andrews, and uh, some of the other people that were involved at the time. Now Walt's uh, dead now, isn't he? I, I'm losing. I, I can't, is yeah, Walt he, dead? he passed away. Yeah. Yes, he passed away. That's why MUFON is no longer in Texas. It's in. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's moved as as a new director is appointed. It's moved. So, 
So well, Jan Harzan was in California, and I right. know Captain, unless he's moved, was down there at the Cincinnati line, and I was in uh, across the line. I was over in Beaver Dam, Kentucky. Had to go through Louisville, and you know, go over to Cincinnati. And I think that's where he's got he and his wife are picking up the ball to hold it for us until we get all everybody organized again and public relations and who's doing what. But all as far as I know, the directors. Uh, they, some of them look fairly young. I don't even know who they are anymore. Uh, I think the captain's the only one I know on MUFON. But, folks, uh, you know, we've got a lot of work to do, and we can't unorganize what we've already got organized. <laughs> so well, here, here, here's the problem. A lot of people I mean, don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. Here's the problem. I'm, a, a lot of people do research and investigations, and it's it's a lot of effort, and especially investigations if you do it right it's, it takes a lot of effort and and then writing it up and uh uh sending it in and then to have it um disappear like it has with a lot of old organizations or uh individuals when they pass uh Steve Putnam ran the uh, two state study group when he passed, um, his wife threw everything in the dumpster. Great. <laughs> okay. Well, she, in learning. fact, she called. <laughs> she called some of the people that Steve Putnam worked with, and she said, "Come on over, and you can." Now, what she did is, before she called anybody, she got a dumpster out at her house. She threw all the stuff that Putnam had personally in the dumpster and had it carted away. Then she called these people to come over, and then she said, oh, I'm sorry, it's just been carted away. That was her oh. last act of uh, vengeance because she didn't like what he was doing. He was spending too much time with UFOs and not enough with her. So, wow. So that's part so of our she was, that, Suzanne needs to hear this. <laughs> we're gonna, that's real vengeance for you, let me tell you. Wow. Yeah, there's no, um, nobody really has the right to destroy those things. And so we really have to, um, boy, was she angry. That yeah, is she was. Really, <laughs> that is just really an angry person. So, um, but also we have to think that maybe there was something actually really wrong with her, that she would think that that was a good way to handle things. Yeah, or, you know, uh you know, you you almost lose your husband to uh, to this uh, uh, ephemeral phenomena that's going on. Mm-hmm. So well, I can see, I, I can see. You know, there there are a lot of there are a lot of women that are unhappy about the way that uh, um, you know their husbands get so involved in this that they. Uh, and it's not. In some cases, it's wives too that get too involved. Um, well, let's look at the world view because Suzanne's coming in, and she just volunteered today, so she's brand new green, and she wasn't into the UFO business, but she understands the ancient uh, myths and legends and how it affects the world, and she knows about them. And you know, uh, and Janet, of course, has been doing this with me archiving for at least since 2012. So I know she's on our side, but you know, we're doing oral archives. So I've got these from 2012, including your history. 
and we're hopefully going to get people to help me transcribe yours, and hopefully it won't be after you're gone, but it may be. I don't know. But the thing is, we'll have them oral reports. So let's, uh, Suzanne, do you have any questions for Jan? Because Jan is 76, and uh, I'd like him to, I don't know how long he's going to live or how long he expects to live, but, you know, every time I get to talk to him is a blessing for me to get it here because he knows I want to help him, and we all, all the new people that you, you know, hopefully we'll be training. I hope I'm, I'm going to be 69, folks, so I'm not a spring chicken. But uh, we've got to get all the kids uh, into something organized with all these associations around the world and get them working together. So I need to get all the links of people that have been working with Jan or Jan knows and that will help with the ones I know. Because, uh, you know, I know a lot of the old guys, but they didn't know me on the inside or outside. You know, I've been doing this since 1967, but it's hard to keep up with everything. So I've got a lot of women that will help us, but we've got to know how to bring all these groups together. So Worldview, Jan, and Suzanne, on the Worldview, how can we help all these groups? Because there's a lot of issues we're not really getting into. Janet could have helped on that. But you just is, heard is one. Janet, <laughs> is she is Janet on the phone with us still? No, yes. she dropped off. She was, okay. but she dropped okay. off because of house. So, she had house banging in the background, uh-oh. so she uh, so, she so got Jan, off. So Jan, are you? Um, well, first of all, um, can I say thank you for dedicating your life to collecting this information and creating a chronological history? And thank you today for sharing your oral history with us because. Um, your oral history is um, just as valid as a written history, and I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing with us in a very, very honest way. It's a laborious process for you to put this together in chronological order, but I've really enjoyed learning just a little piece. It feels like I just have a snapshot. And um, so thank you. First of all, thank you. Okay, thank you. Yeah, uh, we... (laughs) We've done oral histories too. Okay, about two hundred okay. of them. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. So, I, so, have a, so I, I have a question for you now. Yeah. Um, so you started doing this when you uh, were in college, so that was nineteen sixty. Is that right? Well, no. I started doing this about nineteen fifty-eight. Nineteen fifty-eight. Okay, so sixty-two years. So you started doing this when you were. Um, how old were you? You must have. Oh my gosh, that's not. How's that? Yeah, possible? I was in high school. I was just you in know, high school. Okay. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. And um, are you are you married? Have you married? Do you have children? I have been married. Yeah, I have a son, mm-hmm. and I have uh, three grandkids. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Oh, really lovely. Okay. And so I really the whole time I was listening to you, I was thinking, well. What was the most interesting story that you got involved in and that you researched? What was the one that you personally So I I think that, you know, just just your pure history stands on its own, but I'm just curious as a human, what is the most interesting story to you personally, not recognition verifiable or anything else? Just what's the most interesting story for you as a person? Well, um uh, <clears throat> I used to travel around with Tom Tolene. Uh, I said we have 200 uh, oral histories, but he's the main one with oral history. But he would take me along on a lot of these trips. We would go around 
this is this is not the Project Forty Seven thing. This is this is an oral history project that we were on. Okay. So we would travel around the country, going from one place to another, interviewing scientists, people from the government, um, uh, witnesses, and we had. I think we had started out in. Yeah, we started out in Arizona, and then we made our way. We you know, we did a couple of interviews there, and then we made our way to New Mexico. We interviewed a witness there, went through Texas and Oklahoma, and ended up in uh, uh, all the way down in a little tip in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know anything about this case. I had never read anything about it. Well, I think I'd read something in Heineck, but Heineck doesn't do it justice. So this was the pilot who witnessed this case. It was He's a B-52 pilot. Okay. And... Uh, what year is this? 1968. Fabulous. Okay, good. So they kept it out of the Condon report because they fussed around with the investigation until after the report was written and on the Secretary of Air Force's desk. So it didn't... <laughs> it didn't get in that. It, it, it was a fantastic case. Right around the end of the project, there were a lot of fantastic cases that didn't get investigated, or only cursory. So anyways, he... Uh, uh, they had been on uh, nuclear alert, and after you go off nuclear alert, you've got to, you've got to, uh, everything's got to be checked out, the plane, the personnel, and so they were on like a 48-hour um, flight. They took okay. to, took off and and uh, uh, all the equipment and everything, and the people were checked out and. Uh, they did certain things that they had to do. This, that's every nuclear plane that's ever been, uh, B-52 that's ever been on a, a nuclear duty. So they're coming back to uh, their base at Minot, North Dakota. And as they, uh, as they come in to land, uh, the tower calls them and says, uh, um we've got something that uh, we want you to check out. And he says, what, what, what is it? What is it? He says, just keep flying where you are. It's coming to you. Okay. So, okay, there, uh, the pilot's flying the plane. He doesn't see what's going on. It comes, this UFO comes up in back of him. Okay. And uh, the, uh, the guy at the radar... He uh, he sees this thing and it's acting. I mean, it's it's going over a thousand miles an hour and it's in back of the plane and it's going from one side to the other and doing all kinds of weird things and it's it's fairly big and so he starts taking pictures from the radar, no radar way. pictures of the radar. No way. Okay. <laughs> so he's taking taking a radar picture. Well, it's just you know he he just knew to do it. I mean that's the way they're trained, you know. Okay. 
So it's something unusual, so he's going to take picture, you know, and he takes a whole bunch of radar pictures. Um, the pilot hasn't seen it because it's in the back of him, but he knows it's there because they're telling him that. <laughs> so they come into land, and uh, <clears throat> the thing is following him. And oh. at a certain point, the radios go out. Now, this is uh. a nuclear-capable aircraft. Right. The radios don't go out. If you nope. if a radio goes out, they have another one just exactly the same that they can turn that one on. Okay. Both both radios go on. They have redundant systems. Both radios go off. Switching to other frequencies doesn't do anything. <coughs> Finally, the UFO goes down towards the ground, and they're supposed to land. Then... Uh, uh, a voice besides the controller at the control tower comes on and tells them to go around and make another look at go down and look at the go around and look at the UFO. So they look at the UFO. It, it's it's really strange. It's uh, a body like an egg, and then it looks like it has a a tube coming up and. Uh, a cabin that's uh, separated, uh, connected to the egg-shaped thing with, like, on a tube. Okay. And uh, so they come back around. Now, they didn't have permission to land, but the pilot said, I'm going to land it. <clears throat> that's bad news. Hmm. You, you, you you don't do that. You don't, you, you know, it, it's, it's, but anyways, that's what he did. So he's coming in, and it's flying alongside him, and he gets a good view of it. So, Wow. There were several pilots on the plane. One guy was just there for a checkout, but he's the senior guy. So they land. Um, now the tower knows what's going on, and the tower says, uh, send a senior man out here to the uh, to the." Uh, uh, operations and uh, have, he, he's going to be debriefed. Now they never told anybody anything else. Nobody ever talked to the rest of them. Wow! Except the radar guy and the uh, the electronics uh, guy. Some cur- a couple of guys came from the Pentagon, uh, a full colonel, and they had you know after. Uh, after the incident happened, they had a, uh, a roll of film with all the uh, um, all the radar images on it, and they discussed it with the radar officers. So uh, they said, "Well, did they ever tell you not to talk about it?" And he said, "They didn't have to tell us not to talk about it. We knew not to talk." <laughs> about it there's nuclear weapons you don't you don't talk about that so. <coughs> Jan, do you but, have do you have a do you have a lung condition i have uh i i had cancer of the throat so oh i i when i first listened to you i thought that maybe you needed like um there was something you could take to help you because i could hear you having trouble with it so i was kind of trying yeah. to figure that one out with you yeah yeah but so it's it's it, uh it, it, it's not very it's not very uh pleasant uh talking for a long time in, in any case these uh 
Um, we're there. Now, this is... Uh, 68. 68, so we're there in 94. And wow. I remember we did this... We did this interview outside, and we're in this, this, this guy owns a lot of land. Hmm. And we're there, and I'm just looking around, and I'm, I'm saying to myself, this story can't be true. It's too fantastic. Okay. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just enjoying the woods, too. You know, it's just, yeah, it's really, in, you know. And... Up till now, it's just been him, and I, I have, I have looked at the Project Blue Book case file, so I know a little bit about it. Good. But I still haven't, it still hasn't sunk into me how mm-hmm. fantastic this case is, and so, <laughs> um, uh, I, we asked him. Now this this is years ago, and his crew has been broken up, and he went to mm-hmm. Vietnam and flew aircraft in the Vietnam War, and wow. he hasn't he 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 occasionally might have seen one or two of the guys, but he hadn't seen for a long time, and he was having trouble remembering the names. Mm. So you know, how are we ever going to follow up with other people? Mm. And but then he goes into his military records and he's got all his you know things about his awards and a lot of other stuff and he pulls out this photograph wow and i when i saw it i wanted to start crying wow okay do it because here is the b-52 that they were in and here's all the guys out in front of the b-52 and you can read oh. all their names. Oh. oh. And once he sees that, he knows everybody's full name. And so we have everybody's full name. And uh, we were able to uh, trace down everybody on that aircraft that was alive. Oh. Uh, one of the guys had died. And uh, they all told their story from their vantage point. So, like the radar guys couldn't see out the aircraft; they 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 could only see, you know, what was on the radar screen. Um, and the uh, guy in the back, he was uh, he, there, there's a there's a gun in the back. There's a gunner in the back, so he saw just when the UFO was behind them. Okay. But we're and able now, to I'm... go and get everybody's witness statement on tape. <laughs> so uh, you might have remembered Peter Jennings. He was a newscaster at ABC News. Oh yeah. Okay, so here's no. We have all this story. Plus, we were able to talk to um, uh, some of the other people on the ground, like the military police that were watching some of this. They had their mm-hmm. own sightings. And. Uh, uh, Peter Jennings was doing, uh, he was doing uh, supposedly extraterrestrial life. That's what he was doing. And he was going to have a little section on UFOs, but it just turned the other way around. It turned out there was going to be a UFO um, report, an hour report on UFOs and a little bit about extraterrestrial life. 
So <coughs> ABC News went back and interviewed all these guys. Okay. They didn't, they didn't trust uh, a bunch of amateurs. Okay. <laughs> so they went back and interviewed all these people, and he uh, he had about a four-minute uh, segment, which is huge for nightly yeah. news. Yeah. He, not, not only did it once, he did it twice. This four-minute segment about the Minot case on his news program. Then he had the UFO special that he had, and he he uh, he re-interviewed it. So that's to me that's the most fantastic case. Now uh, the radar. The radar um, photographs just fell into our lap by accident. Okay. The the intelligence officer at Minot had 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 kept the twelve he thought were the best radar photographs. And he had given it to somebody in Minnesota, MUFON, and uh, 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 Tom had gone to a Minnesota MUFON meeting, and he started talking about this case, and the guy says, I think I have those photographs. No way. No way. Yes. Unbelievable. 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 Okay, so uh, Tom took over this case, and he investigated with people in Europe, a uh, radar expert in Europe, who's a physicist, okay. uh, uh, an air traffic controller in England who is, also knows radars backwards and forwards. And then we went to the, uh, the uh, Air and Space Museum in New Mexico, and uh, one of the guys on the staff there was a lieutenant colonel from the Army, worked at White Sands, and we're there talking to him, and Tom shows him the uh, photographs. Wow. So this guy is a radar expert also, so he's looking at him, he's telling us what's going on in the photographs, and... This is what Tom's already heard from other people, and he's he's sitting there without knowing anything about the uh, the case. He's just sitting there telling us what's happening. It's so clear on the radar, and uh, so to me, that's the most fantastic case. It's it's the most uh, one of the most thoroughly investigated cases. Uh, Tom talked to the general. He talked to a couple of generals that were involved in it. They were very. They didn't give out much information, though. So take a take a take a breath for a second, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk. Did you get Did you get a cough drop or something? Yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> okay, good, good. Okay, so here's what I hear you telling me in this story is that it's it's coming to the end of the project of the research and is it it's coming to the end of the project you're out collecting these stories and it's a long road trip 
and you end up with this person who was in Kentucky, and he was the person who was on this flight that documents the actual interaction of his plane and a UFO, and he has the photographs, he has the independent histories, he has the names, and then this becomes a story with Peter Jennings on ABC, and then different experts, scientists, specialists, people that only do this specific type of work, verify all of the documents and the documents that you need in order to make this a full story, complete with documentation, scientific evidence, sort of lands on you, and you put together and document a story, basically, from point A to the conclusion, and it is documented, it's publicized, and it is verified. What a great story. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, I didn't I didn't do it all, but the, the other <laughs> fellow that was with me, Tom Tulane, I mean, he did it. He did a. He did the most of it. I was in on the beginning when we interviewed that pilot, mm-hmm. and like I said, it was after a long trip, and we'd interviewed a bunch of people. And let me tell you, I was trying. To, I was starting to get a little skeptical about the whole thing. Anyways, <laughs> I, I, like I said, I'm sitting there in this in this woods, and we're we're filming in the woods. Uh huh. It's beautiful, and I'm. It's kind of distracting, but uh, this guy's story is interesting. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not really buying it until he pulls out that picture <laughs> with the whole crew there, because I'm. I'm thinking to myself, how are we ever going to verify all of this? <laughs> what proof do you have, huh? Yeah, and he pulls out that picture. And then everybody's name is right there, and he remembers everybody's name. And it took a little while to to, to run everybody down. And uh, uh, I remember Tom asked the radar officer, and he asked the radar officer, he said, uh, why are you talking about this to me now? Mm-hmm. You know you weren't supposed to talk about this, right? And he mm-hmm. says, you know what? We won the Cold War. Mm. He said, I can talk about it now. Wow. Wow. That's what he said. He said he felt like he could talk about it because, you know, all the alerts they had been on and all the staying up in the air sometimes for days. Right. Flying around. He felt like he had, uh, you know, he had... He had this story, and he was able to tell it now. Wow. What, a, what an amazing experience. Um, <clears throat> and so I love, I love the story. I love the human story, yeah, it, where, the human, yeah. where the human story comes in. It, it's, it's, on the, it's on the Internet. It's Minot. Uh, you can look it up. Uh, uh, Minot Air Force Base, October, I think it's October 28, 1968. I think that's the .com or something like that. Okay. It, it's you could find it easily on on Google. It changed your life. That story changed your life. Well, Talk no, it didn't change thing. my life, but it's the uh, it's one of the most uh, important cases that I ever worked on. 
And I didn't do most of the work. Tom did most of the work. Okay. But, Thanks for being modest, but let's hear the whole story. We love it. We we want the story. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so, so the uh I mean and Tom did work with Bigelow on this, so we talked about Bigelow. Uh Bigelow hired some B fifty two crew people to uh verify the story and he uh they were going to try to take it to Congress because there were some con- these congressmen had heard the story. Okay. And they were interested in holding hearings on it. <laughs> so we got within an inch of holding, you know, going to uh, Congress with the story, and it kind of fell through. And okay. Bigelow was pushing that. Okay, great. Great. Yeah, so. so- any other, any other, um, so I know it's getting hard for you to talk now. So any other things that you can, like, I mean, that's a big story. I mean, that's like a really, I mean, it's a great story. It's got a great timeline. It's a great story. You're, you know, you're real modest. It doesn't have, you know, I had only a part in it and everything else. But anything else to that story that you think is interesting or you think, um, that this story, I mean, it's a complete story. That's the part that I really like. It's a yeah, well, that's story. what it is with UFOs. There's, there's there's, so many things that are so incomplete. There's not enough. This is one that's pretty... It, it you, could, you could research this for another couple of years, really, but it's okay. pretty well... The, the story is pretty well complete as far as what happened with the the people now there may have been a, an attempted intercept okay. that may have been picked up on other radars okay and that that we don't know that yet we don't know that okay and, and we probably never will because one of the guys that probably picked it up with the radar he's you know he's he he's um he's paranoid about talking to people now what <laughs> Kevin Randall uh, says uh, the article was taken from Scientific Ufology, written by Captain Kevin D. Randall, U.S. Air Force Reserve, USAFR. So this is in the returns to uh, ufocasebook.com. Now, do you want to verify that you like UFO Casebook? Is that one we should carry with your you're okay with UFO Casebook, or do you know who runs that? I, I don't know who runs it. Uh, UFO Casebook. They got some interesting things on it. Like I said, the Minot case, the the actual best documentation is on the website I told you about. Okay, so right. Repeat that for Teresa right now. Go ahead and repeat that. Now, what to me is interesting, okay, so I'm doing this scanning now. Okay. So this 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 will probably be interesting, interesting to you as a historian. Okay. So we're doing it by date. Okay. So when I label the case file, the first thing is the date, the year, the month, the day. Right. Then the location, well, you know, what continent country, 
location, what kind of case it is. We got little abbreviations for that. Witness and investigator. Okay, so I got one like this on my site. It's nineteen. It's uh, October fourteenth, nineteen. Or excuse me, April fourteenth, nineteen fifty-three. Okay. Okay, so it's a it's a real spectacular case, but it's hidden in Blue Book mm. because it's in with another. It's mixed in in another case. They're filing. Uh, it's atrocious as far as they're filing. Things are misfiled. Uh, they lost things over the years. Only because mm. Heinet got a lot of this stuff do we know about some of these cases. Huh. I mean, Anyways, this is a regular, rather spectacular case off of North Japan in 1953. The Korean War isn't over. Right. Uh, there was an incident similar to that, uh, to this one, about a month prior. That's why this case is in, is misfiled with this thing, with the uh, earlier case. Because they, they, uh, the intelligence people noticed that it was kind of similar. But it's uh, completely, it, to a certain extent, it's completely different. Uh, Navy plane, after its patrol is flying back to Japan, hmm. they, they uh, see this UFO on their... Radar, and this is this is this uh, navy plane is chop full of electronics. So the okay. thing is is uh, is giving off electronics and everything. So they figure it's something from the Soviet Union. Okay. Uh, and it's big, and they're trying to outrun it back to Japan, and then these smaller things appear on the radar screen up to hmm. about 10 of them wow now they're they're flying along and these smaller things are making passes at them they're not they're not shooting but they're very aggressive okay so the pilot takes the plane down to 400 feet above the water wow wow and they're going under him these things are going under. About 70 passes are being made during this thing. Okay. I'm going to put me on mute because of the cat. <laughs> okay. Okay. So um, we're doing this, and this this is like something out of the future has suddenly appeared to this Navy plane. Wow. Because this is like a AWACS. Plane, which is you know uh, uh, command and control, and also uh, detecting enemies and things like that. Okay. But in 1953, it's like 10 or 15 years in the future that this thing exists. Especially with the Soviets, it's probably with the Soviets, it's probably 20 years in the future. Okay. And all these planes are making. Uh, as far as safety goes, this is completely 
You know, unbelievable. So this thing is in there as a UFO report. Okay. Uh, I, uh, there's no analysis or anything. It just says it's like it's similar to the first incident, which was not as spectacular as this one. Hmm. Hmm. So they make for Japan, and that's, you know, they finally get away. Okay. Uh, so, so it's an interesting commentary from you because what you're saying is, is that when there were other situations that could have been invested, investigated fully, they were not. Right. And so, the, the, yeah, this is this is one that the government in, investigated. So it was uh, my friend wrote this up. I mean, several of us knew this. I point. I think I pointed it out to. Uh, Brad Sparks, I think that's how he got, he learned about it. Anyways, he wrote it up as an entry for a UFO encyclopedia. Okay. And then my friend found uh, on this uh, Korean War veteran site, uh, weekly combat uh, reports uh, from the first uh, U.S. Marine Corps Air Wing. Okay. So what these guys had was they had, uh, you know, how how much if if they uh, engaged things on the ground, what what damage they thought they caused, or if they uh, if they got into uh, fights with the uh, uh, with the communists, you know, how many planes were shot down or if uh, how many of our planes were damaged. It's a t- typical com- uh, combat summaries for each week. Good. <laughs> they also had UFO. Okay. So uh, this is, this is uh, differentiated from unidentified aircraft. It's yeah. actually UFO, so it's differentiated. Okay. So if they saw an unidentified aircraft, that was different from a UFO. So here in the and uh, these guys are uh, they're reporting stuff from all over Korea, not just their area uh, where the Marines were. So one of the reports is the April 14th, 1953 incident. Okay. The same incident that's in the Project Blue Book case files, except it has more or different information. Hmm. So if you put the two of them together... What's the story? The story becomes... uh, a little more complicated, but it also refines some of the things in the uh, Project Blue Book case file. So it's it, it's a confirmation and a, a amplification. But so it's also that, it's it's substantiated, right? I mean, the two reports, it's it's a it's cross-referencing substantiates because um, it's it's verification of replicating the results. Right. Plus, they have. It, plus, it amplifies the report we already had. So, that is on my website. Okay. Brad Sparks rewrote his 
his article is in the encyclopedia with the new information and to me that's 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 the kind of thing that I I'm doing with this well it's it's a bonus from uh, scanning this stuff okay if I come up with a document like this Marine Corps combat thing and I've already got the Project Blue Book thing scanned, and this one goes in, and it's the same date. They come up right together. Yes. Huh. Uh, that is the that is the scientist inside of you who um, is really good at documenting, verifying, and clarifying your results. Really interesting work. I mean, really interesting work. So, um, yeah, um, thanks for sharing that story. That's really That's really a good story. Um, so talk to me now. I hope you kind of get a breath or another um, cough drop. Talk to me about what you think was one of the most challenging stories for you to be involved in personally, whether it was challenging for evidence or it was challenging for um, believability or it was just simply challenging because you knew it was true but you didn't know what to do in order to substantiate the evidence. Talk to me about a story that was difficult for you that you really believed, but was difficult. We're at the end of the end of the uh, archiving time. So, what oh. about tomorrow night? We got two minutes. So, uh, uh, yeah. So, why, why don't we talk about the uh, actual history? Okay. Like, uh, I followed things through the years, and people in ufology don't understand how things came about. And I've, I've looked at the documents to figure out how they came about. And I was fortunate enough to find a number of documents where I can uh, uh, really amplify the history of, of, of what was being done to investigate these things by the government. Good. Good. Um, you know what? I really enjoy your conversation. I mean, I, I don't want you to think I'm sitting here flattering you, but I really, really feel your conversation. I really feel your emotions and um, I share your joy with you. It is an for me. It's an amazing conversation. It's virgin, virgin material for me. And um, I would enjoy I would enjoy talking further with you. Are you okay with that? Yeah, sure. Oh, good. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. All right, Teresa. Yeah, we're doing tomorrow night Ace Folk Life. Uh, have we got other people scheduled, or would you like yeah, to invite I, him for? I, uh, one oh, of the yeah. hours, or yeah, he's a he's a historian as well, not just UFOs, okay. but other okay. other things. Well, okay, but, so Jan, is an hour enough time tomorrow for us to get into the next part of your story you'd like to document? Sure, sure, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Really good. All right. Uh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Okay. And, all right. Thank you very much. That's absolutely fabulous. Well, do you, you have really people amazing. coming? Do you have people coming tomorrow at a certain time? Would he be the first hour or the second hour? And are you starting eight California time? What time are you starting? I I can start. I can start at whatever. What? Let's. Can we take this conversation off air, Teresa? And um, well, I've got it already up for tomorrow. Uh, So, uh, Jan. Yeah. Yeah. It was eight. Eight Eastern, uh, I believe. Right. So Eight Eastern. But if you want to come the first hour, maybe or. It's yeah, 8 to it 10 is her yeah, time because she starts at 6, California. Okay, okay. so, is that, yeah, what, what, is, uh, you, do you have my number and everything? Can you give her my number? 
Okay. Yeah, I'll give it Good. to her. Okay. Thank you. It'll be right, on this so, station uh, in this archive for the ACO. We're we're trying to save money on all these SSL certificates on all our domains. So we're trying to combine databases. But right now we're just going to use this archive for oral archives for Ace Folk Life tomorrow night, 8 to 10. That's 7 my yes. time, 6 Suzanne's. But that will be 8 o'clock your time tomorrow. And she's got two or three people we'll introduce, and uh, they'll tell their stories. And well, we'll ask you him. for a story. We're going to okay. ask him first. Okay. We're going to do you for the first hour by himself, and then okay. I'll bring on some other people. Okay? Okay. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Thank right. you Jan. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Look forward to All seeing right. you with our various clubs. World right. News tomorrow night with Ace Folk Life. Thank you. Right. This Thank was you. Jan Aldrich and Suzanne. Bye. Okay.